Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Engage. Engage. Earth Enterprise, Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Catherine Janeway. Captain Sisko. This is Captain Jonathan Archer. Red alert. Photon torpedoes. Fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. And to make sure history never forgets. This is Engage. Sailing frequencies open, sir. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to uh, the newest episode of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hoffman, and Brian the Engineer is right here. Hello, Brian. Hey, Jordan. How are you? I, I'm doing great because we just watched the new episode of Discovery. You're doing okay because you got some con crud. You went to New York Comic Con and did. you're feeling sick. Yes, I am, I'm not feeling so great, but I am I'm pumped from the episode and I will power through it. Awesome. Well, I took a lot of notes this week, um, and I just want to let the audience know we are not on Deck 44 this week, are we? No, we are not. We are recording no. on location. <laughs> We're on location, and you, you know, and like much like uh, Lieutenant Stamets and his spore drive that can almost have a, a ship exist in two locations at, simultaneously as it zips across time and space, that's how this episode is, because we're both at home. And if uh, the, um, the, you know, it's funny, podcasts, uh, streaming service, all access, you would think this is a very high tech operation. The low fi workaround we've done <laughs> that you have concocted, Brian, you truly are a this MacGyver is, of podcasts. This is my version of the sport, the sport drive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't get into the how we're recording this, but if you saw an image of me on my couch in Queens, New York, with a thousand wires all over the place, Speaking into a tell, uh, you know what? I don't even want to get into it. I don't even want to get into it. But you know, that's the way it's got to be done, Brian. As you know, because we want to get this uh, this um, material to the listeners as soon as possible once the show is available on streaming on CBS All Access. Yes. But when the marketing department is so paranoid about letting even people on the same team like you and I look at the show ahead of time, it means we're watching it with the fans, which is nice. Because I like seeing it with the fans. I don't, you know, I am one of the fans. You are one of the fans. As am I, yes. And it's great to be with the fans watching the show. It's a little bit of a pain in the ass when it's 9.30 at night when we're trying to get the podcast together. But you know what? As they say, heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? (laughs) So with great power comes great responsibility. And that means um, we gotta we gotta hustle a little bit. So that's my that's my commentary for tonight. Now, the other thing is I am ready to say the following statement, and I want to know, Brian, we have not talked at all about tonight's show. No, we have not. I'm going to say episode four is the best episode yet. Uh, yeah, I will, I, will, I will agree with that, yes. I think it's getting better as we go. We're learning more about the characters, and it's just I am 
so into it. And uh, I'm also glad, it's kind of funny, just when I started to remember Landry's name, I was like, what is her name again? What is her name? Oh, it's Landry. I finally got Landry, because it was a joke all last week. I couldn't remember her name. Yes. I finally remembered Landry's name. And now she's dead. So you, you can't forget <laughs> you, it. you can't forget it sitting on the little screen you know, going over a corpse. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's gone for now. So that was one of two moments during the show, and, and we'll deep dive through it, but two moments where I f- actually just went, Oh shit. I just you know, literally yelled out the oh shit yes. as if I was you know, I, it, as if I was in, in the in you know, in a screening room full of friends or something, even though I was by myself. I shouted out an oh shit. What about you? I know uh, I know exactly the other one that you yelled oh shit for because I probably did too. <laughs> what was that? Uh, it's a little later on. You want to wait till we wait till we get to it or No, no, I'm curious if it was the same one. Um the Klingons when we first see the Klingons, they said uh, you know they're they're for 6 months and yeah. they're, they're kind of scavenging and they <laughs> talk about that they ate Captain Georgia. <laughs> they <laughs> They picked that, her, that- her skull clean. <laughs> I think that was more of a, yo, whoa. I, I don't think I, I didn't actually shout, oh, shit. I just went like, did I read that right? Did I, I did I, I read that right? I wrote, whoa, next to it, my note for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I shouted, oh, shit, when Lorel stabbed Vok in the back. Yes. But then reversed herself. Maybe. Who knows what Lorel is thinking? Maybe Lorel's playing both sides. But let's, let's, uh, let's go to the beginning here. Um, and first of all, I love that we finally got First of all, the name of this episode, The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. Yes. What what is that a reference to? Is that reference to Lorca and his and his and his attitudes about getting the job done? Uh, is he uh, is it an attitude toward exploiting this sort of uh microscopic uh bug by putting nipple clamps on him and <laughs> making him I thought him the same thing. <laughs> Drive um, the uh, the ship. Who is the lamb in this case? Uh, I I definitely think the lamb is the the bug, um, and yeah. the the butcher is a joint of Lorca's directive to weaponize it, and Landry's insistence of um, you know pushing Burnham to to do that and not indulge her scientific curiosity. So we're the butcher. They are the butcher, and the lamb is the the bug, the ripper. All right, that the ripper, which is called a tardigrade, which is a real thing. Do you yes. know what a tar- have you ever, yeah if you Google tardigrade you go I've seen that thing before it looks like a brown um, it looks like a, like a tarp like a hefty bag but like made of tarp oh wow um, and it's got it's got like a pig face and like a snout and it's um, these are microscopic things and they're real uh, and they're like when you put them under a you know a, a, a highly powered microscope they look kind of like what this thing looks like you yes. know. So I, I um, guess our our big question is how did that thing get so big, <laughs> and I, or was it initially I, yeah. that big? Yeah, maybe it was. I think it was. I I don't know. There's a lot about the spores I don't understand. Let's get to Same spores here. in a minute, though. Sure. I want I want to say um, the opening of this episode was one of the f- kind of coolest little like visual sight gags. Um, in in pretty much any Star Trek opening, there's one of the, I think it's oh I forget if it's First Contact or if it's um, yes I guess it would be the beginning of First Contact as you see something spinning through space and then you realize it is a bottle of champagne and it's it's being it's christening the new ship, uh, the Enterprise E. Yes. Uh, 
And it's, of course, a bottle of Chateau Picard, which is nice. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was First Contact. It may have been in, in, uh, Insurrection. If it is, I apologize. But I'm pretty sure it was First Contact. Um, and this, you know, the first shot is we see, you know, electricity, blue, you know, uh, micro, you know, organisms or something and just weird kind of special effects flying around. We're going, what the hell's going on? And it seems to be building to a crescendo. And the quote-unquote camera pulls back. And we reveal, aha, this is Burnham creating her uniform in the replicator. So we have now seen matter uh, born into existence. We got a matter POV, which is like, you know, I remember the first time we saw a transporter shot from the POV. I think it was the Barclay episode where Barclay is, uh, he he encounters the... um, uh, the, the people that are trapped inside the transporter, and we get to kind of see what it looks like to go through the transporter, the haze of that. Now we have seen the haze from the inside of the <laughs> spontaneously generated matter inside the replicator, and I, I which was say, really cool. Yeah, it was very cool, and I'm I'm still so impressed by the visuals of this this show. It, it is like it it is practically movie quality to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know that that shot uh, specifically. Um, but also a lot of the um, action stuff during the end when they save the, the the dilithium base on planet blah, 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 nine, or I forgot what it was called. But uh, yeah, that was really nifty. So that already just put a smile on my face because, you know, they're, they're uh, it, 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 it kind of impressed me that the writers of this show, um, who many of whom we've talked to on, on this podcast, and we've certainly talked about, are definitely trying to, you know, really kind of work within the Star Trek that we know, but also do something new. Like, yeah, a fresh take you on know, it. it. Yeah, f- they want to do a fresh take, but it's also, it's got to spring from something that is essentially Star Trek. Like, Star Trek fans kind of want to know more about the Replicator. You know, the Replicator was something that in TOS, they never really talked about it. You know, they got their lunch out of a food slot, you know, and then sort of it crept into conversation, the Replicator, the Replicator, and then... Toward the end of Voyager or whatever, it was being used a little bit as a narrative crutch. And then if you read the books, it's like there's so much stuff going on with the replicator. But, you know, it's something to be fascinated about. How would a replicator work? So it's clearly that, you know, they kind of had scratching their heads. How do we make this, you know, how do we make this new show visually cool, but also talk about stuff that people want to talk about? And it's like, well, what about an opening shot from inside the replicator? That's never been done before. So I just thought that was really nifty. And then, uh, and she's got no rank, so she's got no little Delta shield on her chest. But uh, she, um, uh, the 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 next cool thing is that she has a little bit with um, Saru. But before that, uh, Cadet Tilly shows up and gives her, um, oh, the container, yes. Giorgio's, yeah, the um, her last uh, will, which she puts away. And Tilly, you know, I just want to say, I hear I just congratulated the writers. I have to now scold them. They mistake the word. They said less when they meant fewer. Ah. Tilly was mumbling, and she said uh, less words, and the correct grammar is fewer words. But <laughs> one could counter Brian and say that that is actually in Tilly's character because she's nervous, so she yes. would make that very common uh, diction error. So I, I would have made that error because I didn't notice it. <laughs> there are times, yeah. Well, I, that's one of my pet peeves is uh, correcting <laughs> people when when they say uh, less and they mean fewer. I, I I do my best to keep it within, but sometimes I got to let it out. So. <laughs> Um, but it was cool. But then, then there's the bit with Saru, and what did we find out? The little uh, 
what do you want to call them? The, the little fins that come out of his the neck. The gang- ganglia, I believe they call they them. They have a name now. They yes. have a name now. Yeah, threat ganglia. <laughs> and what? And he basically said what they didn't do. I would bet you there's a draft. Draft six of the script is like he says. Well, they have a mind of their own, but they realized <laughs> it would be too lame to leave that in. But yeah. um, but it was really cool, and it's set up so nicely because we see them in episode two. Uh, when the battle starts, we see them again on episode three when the ship leaves, but she's not on it, and somehow he knows. And then we see it on the elevator or the turbo lift, pardon me. And then at the end, she uses it as like a canary in the coal mine to yes. like test out the ripper, the bug. And uh, that was, I just thought, really sharp. You know, that was like, you know, that's that's pretty good stuff. So, yeah, I dug the threat ganglia. And then they get to the bridge, and they're doing, like, maneuvers. They're doing drills because, you know, there's the Klingons are kill- shooting them, but nobody's actually dying. And there's a lot of cutaways to the crew. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the crew because some of these faces we've seen before and some of them we haven't. Yes. <coughs> so the woman named Kayla, who was on the Shenzhou, is back. And she's up front in, like, a checkoff or Sulu-type position, right? Yeah, she's front um, left. Yeah, she's front left, so she's, uh, you know, that was where Data would sit. So, you know, she's important, whoever the heck, whatever the specific, you know, they don't have assigned seats, so you never know exactly who's <laughs> sitting there. But she is clearly important, and she's got that facial, um, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, I guess a plate in her face. Yeah, now, which, which we all assume is, you know, result of the battle. Uh, right, the, the battle of the binary stars yes. is... Uh, as, and and so she's up there, and then there are a couple others. First of all, there's like cool, there's like cool white guy. I don't know who he is, but they keep cutting <laughs> him. But like cool white guy with good hair. Do you know who that? Like he kind of looks like a young, uh, a young uh, Jim Brolin. James, which is the son? James, uh, James uh, Brolin. James Brolin. Yeah, I can see that. Jim Brolin is a fuck. He's like a young James Brolin, or like a like a like a. Dermot Mulroney type, like <laughs> I don't think he's had any lines yet, but he's like no. in the back and he's just like, "Hi, I'm I'm, I'm like a handsome guy. How you doing? <laughs> I'm real handsome." So they got him. Then there's the woman cyborg face that we saw in the last episode. Yes, there was a nice close up of her, and she gets a line now. And, I don't think I picked um, up on that. It's during the during the chaos of that battle. Okay, she's like, shields are at thirty three percent, and had like kind of a kind of a metallic sound in her voice right yes so i don't know what the character's name is yet um uh, but she definitely was one of the people shouting orders there was also a very young african-american woman in the front somewhere i don't think she said anything yet um but there were some reaction shots of her looking worried as as you know fake klingons were destroying their ship but then in the background there was this dude did you see this guy? He looked like... Yeah, it was a big, big old alien head. I can't even describe what it looked like, but <laughs> I it took looked a cool. snapshot. I took a snapshot. Hold on. Let me, let, me, uh, let me look at my own... Let me look at my stuff here. I took a snapshot, and... Um, yeah, so... Oh, and, and, and Mr. Cool is behind him. So this yes. dude, mystery dude is behind him. So it kind of looks like... The head is like the shape of like a like an upside down pear or like a maybe like a tulip or like a garlic bulb is what he looks like. 
and he's got like red and orange and pink and he's got like i don't know like kind of like holes for breathing and eyes all over the place and uh the immediate question and i have to i i, I, t- I took a snapshot and put it on twitter and immediately my colleague mr glenn kenny of the new york times and various other esteemed outlets uh wrote back how does he put on his shirt and, and he, he makes a very good point <laughs> because i don't know how he puts on his shirt now the answer is zippers you know luckily these shirts all have zippers it does so, look like uh, they have zippers yeah but uh so this dude and also has big hands too this guy's got big hands oh the that i didn't notice crazy have crazy nails we really saw a lot of klingon nails in the next uh, bit so anyway this dude and he's wearing silver so he's science station i love you i need to know more about you john van sitters if you're listening we need more information on this guy um he is great i don't know what's going on with this guy uh so that's my favorite guy of the day so <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's just great though really because um it, it even more so than in the recent films, which had a staggeringly high budget, the cutaways to aliens were were like okay. Like in Star Trek 2009, they go to the bar and there's that like kind of a dude, that Ron Perlmanish looking dude in between Kirk and Uhura when they first meet. And that guy's all right, you know. But all, every new alien that we've seen in the background or like on the bridge that hasn't really spoken yet or we haven't been introduced to yet, they're all really really cool. So. Yeah, I, I definitely was, hope they keep, they keep doing more of that. Even though it's still kind of strange that we've never seen these aliens before and, and it's in the past, but that's okay. I keep, keep them coming. Yeah, well, we haven't seen hologram uh, hologram uh, Skype calls, and we haven't <laughs> seen uh, every, and the bridge looks different, but uh, that's that's life. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Star Trek Podcast. Energize. So then the next big moment for me was uh, Lorca, and it kind of gives Burnham her assignment, which is to, you know, we got this monster, figure out what makes him tick. And here's what I thought was interesting. I want to talk to you about this because, you know, as, as a viewer, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what is up with Michael Burnham because I, I know... You know, we wouldn't be having the show about her if she wasn't a good person, you know, and she was she had a trauma as a child. She was raised by Vulcans. Then she was living. Uh, uh, she's working in the Federation under Giorgio for seven years. So she's a woman of two worlds. But she has, you know, uh, an ethical North Star like she knows what's right, even though she may have screwed up that one time. Um and she's been kicking herself for six straight months. You know, she blamed herself for the death and she blamed herself for the war and she's yet to speak up for herself. And so here's the thing. Lorca, I think, thinks Burnham is someone different than she is. Lorca is like, Burnham, I want you on my ship because only you get me. He doesn't say this. I'm sort of reading between the lines. Yes, I agree. But he's saying, he's saying, all of my, you know, this is a ship full of scientists and damn it, we're at war and I'm a warrior and I need warriors and thank God you're here because you're one of my kind. 
Yeah. And Burnham, I think, is thinking, am I? Is that really what I am? Like, I think she doesn't quite know. She doesn't She doesn't say heck no because she, um, you know, she doesn't she's, She doesn't want to fight. She's still in the, I, I don't, you know, when we first met her at the beginning of episode three, she didn't care about anything. When it looked like that shuttle was going to crash. Yeah, those she was other calm. Three prisoners, calm as all can be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The other three prisoners are freaking out. And she was like, I don't care. What am I going to do? Get killed? What? So what? You know, completely passive. No, uh, no real uh, complaints, but um, you know she really knew. Uh, but now, uh, Lorca is a little bit more like, "Hey, um, I want you to be an ends justifies the mean type of guy, type of person." He thinks that he knows uh, what time it is. <coughs> and speaking of knowing what time it is, Brian, what time is it? <laughs> You would know what time it was if you had an MVMT movement watch. Yes, I would. <laughs> Do you know about movement watches? Uh, I, I think I've heard about them before, but I'd definitely be interested in, uh, and like to hear some more. Movement watches, and they are cool enough to sponsor this show. So I'm going to stop talking about Discovery for a minute and just tell you that these watches uh, were founded on the belief that style shouldn't break the bank. Watch, the watchmaker's goal is to change the way consumers think about fashion by offering high-quality, minimalist products at revolutionary prices. And when you go to the website, you see a lot of really slick, modern, but classic and stylish-looking watches. And you would think to myself, man, those look great. They're probably $300, $400, $500. Bucks. They're not. They're, they start at $95. They are um, made for, for, you know, there's sort of a small company, independent group that put this together. They were two guys in their college dorm room, you know, like the like the Facebook. It's like the Facebook of watches is what yes. movement watches. Two guys in their in their in their in their in their college dorm. They couldn't afford cool watches, so they made their own. They knew style, so they knew style and they knew what they wanted. And they said, "I'm not going to find it in the marketplace. I'm going to build it myself." Kind of like um, like uh, Lorca when he's like, "I need to find out how to teleport an entire ship across space and time. I'm going to do it myself." with spore drives and uh, like a microscopic bug and I even though I don't really understand it but that's cool so dig this and then I'll stop talking about it uh if you go to um mvmt.com slash engage mvmt.com slash engage you'll get 15 percent off of what you see plus free shipping plus free returns and the watch has a really clean design that makes a great fashion statement. Now is the time to step up your watch game. Get rid of that Seiko and go movement. <laughs> so go to mvmtwatches.com slash engage. mvmtwatches.com slash engage. And uh, you will get 15% off free shipping uh, and free returns. Although who's going to want to return it? Only a crazy person. Um, cool. So that was... Um, so after all that action, we had our first act break. Thank God, right? Because we need it. I'm going to take a drink of water. Hold on. This is exciting. <laughs> then we got back to our Klingons. And, you know, we didn't see them in episode three. And uh, Yes, yeah, so I, I, we were talking about that last episode that we, we were kind of wondering how they'd be integrated into the show, you know, on a week-to-week -week basis. And yeah. I, I was definitely surprised by how, how it went. So... Yeah, no, it was interesting, especially like the main Klingons. So Vok and Lorel and everybody else on that sarcophagus ship. All the other Klingons 
are sort of united. You know, Tukuvma has united the 24, and they're fighting the Federation. But, ironically enough, the quote-unquote torchbearer, uh, who is, uh, you know, uh, Tukuvma's, uh, you know, chosen successor. one. Successor is, we've discovered for six months, floating in space. Kind of like how Burnham was floating psychologically in space. They're floating in space looking for, a, 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 you know, dilithium crystals. They're looking to, to, to move. They've been damaged by the ship, by the, by the battle, and the ship isn't going anywhere. And their people are starving. And it's kind of wild. But um, Vok is still, Vok is still very dedicated to his cause. And we finally got to, we got some really good scenes with Lorel. Yeah, and, she definitely uh, stood out a lot more this episode. I love her. I love her. She's awesome because you don't know what she's thinking. She's, yeah. is she, in fact, loyal or is she mercurial and opportunistic? And we don't know. We don't know. We think that she's loyal. And then later she, 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 and she even says something when, um, they're, when they go, they decide to go back to the Shenzhou to find some, uh, old, uh, you know, warp stuff. And, um, she like it's like is she coming on to him? Is she not coming on? To yeah, him? no, she... I I saw some <laughs> some uh, some Klingon romance signs there. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. Little I mean, bit. she didn't like lip snarl or anything like uh, Klingons of old would do. But she she uh, and I gotta say, you know, underneath all that makeup, she's an attractive woman. That Mary <laughs> Chifo, I'll tell you. So uh, it was. Uh, it's a great scene. And then um, and that but before they left, there there is uh, the other guy Cole. Uh, who's now got? I didn't. Well, we only saw him in a uh, hologram. Form Correct. Yeah, he was. Thus far. Uh, yeah, we we saw him for that one scene, and that was it so far in the second episode, right. I believe. And, and now he, so he has sort of like a red markings on his face, and I don't know if that's from battles or if that's a recent thing, or I just didn't catch it when when they were in hologram form. But uh, uh, it looked cool, you know, it looked wild, and um, he wins. He wins uh, Vogue's people over with uh, with chicken. Right? <laughs> Look more like shrimp to me, but yes, he, he... no. She definitely, no, 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 no. Lorel definitely like grabs like a chicken leg and <laughs> chomps into it, which is funny because if you're gonna go like the the if you're gonna go the bird route, it should have been like one of those monster turkey legs from Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like just maybe. I mean, but no, definitely at first when you see the food, it looks like seafood. Which I thought was funny because when um, Lorca's in the ship uh, and he gets interrupted by an admiral, he is eating what looks like crab legs. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it looked like some kind of seafood or crab leg or squid yeah. or something like that. Yeah, so maybe he, maybe this is a sign that he and the Klingons are somehow in cahoots because they like the same food. I don't know. Possibly. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, I think we got a little bit ahead of ourselves because uh, we got to learn a lot more about um, the spore drives and that little guy on the ship now, um, which is the uh, tardigrade, the ripper of the tardigrade. Yes. Which, um, you know, uh, it's funny because there was a little bit of um, in episode either one or two, I forget which one, when, I think it was two. When Burnham uses Kirk-like uh, mental uh, gymnastics to trick the computer to into letting her out of the to brig, escape the uh, the brig, yes, yeah. So it's like it's like kind of like little 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 homages to the original series. 
this sequence reminded me a whole lot of the episode The Devil in the Dark with the Horta, the silicon-based alien that leaves the eggs that the miners um, are, you know, accidentally killing the eggs or killing the children. So the Orta is killing the miners and there's the famous no kill eye and, the, you know, Spock does a mind meld. And it just sort of reminded me of, uh, you know, this beast. And there's also a physical resemblance too. They're kind of this these sort of like round, low to the ground creatures um, are... You know they are. They there's definitely a, a a mirror there between the 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 Horta and this tart with Ripper because um, you know uh, Burnham quickly discovers that this thing is not uh, aggressive. It's not you know, a weapon. Every, yeah, it's not a weapon. Every time it has attacked a person, it's done so out of self defense. Even though it's still a little unclear what the heck it was doing on the Glen and how it got out and how it killed the. Klingons and whatnot it's still it's still a little bit uh mysterious um they're not 100 percent sure what it was doing there how it got there but uh the punchline is and it's kind of great weird sci-fi the punchline is that this weird spore drive which we know is doomed to never work because it doesn't exist in later science in later star trek lore uh this weird thing is somehow it it folds space. It's sort of like this the spice from Dune, or it you don't really know how it works, or if it's conduits, or if it's the infinite improbability drive from the Hitchhiker's Guide, you know, where you're <laughs> everywhere at once. It's a little bit unclear, but so like you know, it's fine. I mean, I'm sure if I really really thought about it, I could figure it out. But what I love is that it somehow uses spores that exist all over the galaxy to somehow connect different spots in space-time and you need a guide to to help you manipulate it and a supercomputer you need well a supercomputer so the supercomputer being a biological brain and the brain being these little you know what exist in life the target tardigrades are these little sub microscopic things you know quantum sized creatures and if they are the ones that hold the key to higher dimensional existence, which I think, and I'm, I get a little fuzzy when I start talking quantum mechanics, but I have tried to read one or two books about it. There is a little bit of truth to that, or at least I shouldn't say truth. There are scientists who have theorized that it's in the, the realm of the very small where higher dimensions will, you know, will exist. Now, why is this tardigrade big? And why is putting just sort of like nipple clamps on him going to power it up <laughs> to the computer? That's kind of ridiculous. I mean, that was like real. That was just, that was just dumb. Like, I'm kind of with it so far. But like Anthony Rapp's like, quick, you know, just put him in the room. And well, they had a great line. It's like the machinery knows what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't even. Um, it wasn't like they had to figure it out. Like this machine, they couldn't get to work. It sensed that the bug was in there and just. Yeah, just, it, know, it was a little it. convenient that that machine was sitting in there as they they moved it over, and it wasn't really tested before they used it. But um, to go back to the the origin of this this uh, the the Ripper, uh, I I kind of had the feeling that they found it is a, is a microscopic organism, and they enlarged it for the for this purpose. Um, yeah. How they did that, I'm not really sure yet, but I'm, I kind of I feel like it's not an accident, or it's not a naturally occurring thing. 
Um, I'm with you. I think that's a really good theory, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's if that's how it goes down. I'm, re- I'm really not because that sort of explains. You know, they they said it was in with their stash of spores. Well, in their stash so of mushrooms. Came, yeah, so somebody somehow embiggened it, and when it got embiggened, it it caused a fuss. So. Because they 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 don't grow their spores; they harvest them from other places. So that's why <laughs> it probably hitched a ride. They found it and they made it, made it bigger. I love that it's all spores. I love that it's all spores because spores is such a great legacy on Star Trek. Like, you know, spores, you know, just sort of spat all over Spock's face and this side of paradise and made him <laughs> logical and he fell in love. And, you know, just spores in general, like, you know, Day of the Triffids and all that stuff. Just like, oh, just you know, it's just funny that, like, here's this big endeavor, you know, our overlord, CBS, you know, they're making such a big gamble on streaming and all access and Star Trek and bringing it back and all this money. And what are they going to hang it on? They go, well, ladies and gentlemen, I give you spores. And it's like this ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, we should have known better thing. being that they, they made a big point to call out um, Stamets as a, uh, right. what, what is his, <laughs> what is his title? Uh, he is a, a, a Xeno, not Xeno, astromycologist. Yeah, astromycologist, yeah. yes. You know, the real Paul Stamets is a, is a real person. He is an actual m- mushroom expert. Really? Yeah, there is a guy. Yeah, he, he is a real guy. We got to get him on the show. I think you've actually His mentioned that is, in an earlier episode. Yeah, Paul. There is a real Paul, Paul Stamets. Stamets. Okay. And he is, you know, he's at, you know, whatever important university that studies these things. And if you, you know, if you slap his name into Google, the first one that comes up is a picture of him holding a giant mushroom. You know, it's just, and he looks like an awesome guy. So. Huh. <laughs> so yeah that's the spore drive so no i don't really understand it but i love that like you know Lorca's on the bridge like damn it we need more spores and he's like coming right up sir he's got a big jug of spores <laughs> and throws it into the machinery so it's it's pretty great uh and then um uh what happens is uh what the heck happens well how does uh, so yeah there's a fight they get they, they go to the they do their jump because they got to save this, uh, you know, whatever the hell it is. Colony, they uh, save a, Corvin colony. two, I want to say. Corvin two, yeah, I like that. Uh, they do a uh, a jump and uh, Stamets gets injured. He bangs his head. You know, you always oh, yeah, see that guys looked, on that Star Trek. That looked pretty pretty nasty. <laughs> yeah, you always see guys on Star Trek like you know sparks fly up and they fall from their station. Well, here we got to see the repercussions. He really yeah. banged his face up, and he had to go down. And he went to the doctor. And the doctor gave him a nice diss. Uh, he said, if you don't stand still, you're going to look like a Tellarite, which I thought was nice. <laughs> so behind the scenes, that doctor is supposed to be his boyfriend. Like, yes, I, I, I got that vibe this time. Uh, and I know I said otherwise with the, uh, the, the, uh, his fellow colleague on the, uh, the Glen, but I definitely think yeah. you're right. Well, th- I mean, that's, that's just from what I know about the castings. That that's the guy. Uh, didn't come up in this episode. It was all business. Uh, Star Trek did not break any uh, any uh, boundaries on episode four, uh, but maybe we'll see where it goes. We did not see a moment of uh, of familiarity between the two because it was they were in the middle of a battle. They didn't have time for any for anything else. But yeah. um, that was and the guy. And I'd like the to point out was too, fun, you know. I'd like to point out that uh, while we were watching, my wife jumped up like, "Oh my God, it's Ricky from my so called life!" And that was the <laughs> that, that was the most exciting part of the show, the episode to her. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, he's uh, he was the doctor, and he was a good doctor. You know, he got he told him to stand still. He's gonna look like a Tellarite, and then Lorca came in and read him the riot act, and 
Stamets stood up. You know, Stamets is, you know, he's a There was a little bit of that tension between military and science, you know, which is a recur now a recurring theme, a theme that has already existed in Star Trek. I mean, that's what Wrath of Khan, you know, that, you know, certainly, uh, uh, you know, David, uh, Kirk's son versus is all about that. Uh, so it's a little bit of the of the science versus military and um, Lork and Stamets puts up a good show. You know, he's saying this is not what I signed up for. I'm going to leave. I'm going to take my spores, which is even and he's like, no, my spores. we own those things. Yeah, and then Lorca said, listen, do you want to be a, sh a schmo? Do you want to be a guy who didn't make uh, a drive work, or do you want to be known as, and this is a great line, said, do you want to be said in the same breath as the Wright brothers, Elon Musk, and um, Zephyr Cochran, Cochran. <laughs> <laughs> which was like, you know, it's funny, because Star Trek always is the funny thing of doing two you know and one you don't. Yes. Um, uh, but this time it was three we know, because we know Zephyr Gokran. The kind of the, the funny one was Elon Musk. It's like, oh, <laughs> yes. Elon Musk is that important? Yeah, I thought like, that was a little strange, but I'm, I'll, I'll go with it. Well, it was two things. Either A, one of the producers is friends with Elon Musk, or B, uh, Elon Musk cut him a check, or C, it was like kind of a, you know, it's kind of a zing. It's like, Elon, you got to get your act together. Like, these Tesla cars are cool, but, you know, you, you have now big shoes to fill. You got to be as big as the Wright brothers and Zephyr Cochran, so I thought that was hilarious. But um, yeah, and then after that, uh, they try to do their jump again, and then uh, what's her name? Taylor, Taylor Palmer. I good. I've forgotten her name. Or the one who dies. Uh, I can't remember her name. I have such a mental. The one block. who died. Wait, the only one that died was was Landry. Landry. <laughs> I called her Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, so Landry goes and says, we got to weaponize this bug. Like an idiot. And, like, I was thinking to myself, you know, when Burnham is clearly like, this is a bad idea. Do not do not open this cage. What are you thinking? Like, first of all, how is Landry out of her mind? Like, she thinks, like, getting the claw is going to help build a weapon. Like, yeah, now, like, it the seems very, one... very short-sighted. Yeah, like right now, the number one issue is getting the jump drive to work. Like you got to get the spore drive up before you can even worry about that. You know, like why does it have to be done immediately? There are people in Corvin two that are about to about to get murdered. That nice little kid who's crying, mommy, mommy. You know, what about <laughs> her? And but Landry's like, no, we got to do this right now. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, how awesome would it be if this monster just chomped her head off? <laughs> I'm like, ah, that's and pretty close. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. And then it picked her up and flung her across the room. And I was like, good. Now, I, I like that actress. I mean, she was on Battlestar. I like her a lot. Yeah. And I like the character. Like, she was tough as nails. I could never remember her name, but she was tough as nails. I liked her. And she had some funny lines. Like, her, her, you know, her delivery was good. But I'm like, good. I'm glad they killed her off because that's that shows the show is ready to kick ass you know it's it's not going to play by the rules yeah it's showing the it's, stakes i mean i know we've had some crew member deaths before but they're they're fairly few and far between and they've you know they hit the ground running with this they really did they established her as a pretty important member of the crew like end of episode three she's Lorca's, you know right hand uh gal you know yeah. she was like yes it don't get doing the black ops of getting her the beast in the first place and now she's ripped to shreds and um you know, and and Lorca, you know, he was he he kind of like he didn't like roll his eyes, but he was like, oh, let her death cannot be in vain. Like, you know, I, I, I get the impression like Burnham said, like, you know, your your girl just went nuts in there. 
Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, I tried to stop it. And Nothing I can do. And, you know, he wasn't too upset. Like, I think she, he got the – I think he kind of knew the drill that, that – maybe he feels guilty a little bit. I don't know that he put – Yeah, because he clearly but. forced that. I mean, you can see uh, – you've seen several times now that how he's manipulated his crew into, uh, you know, emotional places uh, to, to get what he wants. Like, oh, God, uh, yeah, the thing playing the audio. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, it, it definitely worked. I mean, you know, you can see the look on everybody's faces. They're like, wow, you know, if we don't do this, these people are all dead. And our, there goes half of our supply of dilithium crystals, so which is a you know huge deal for the war effort. So yeah, that's it's kind of dark, but um, it was effective. Yeah, no, he is he is an effective leader, albeit not a very uh, a, a one of questionable ethics for sure. But he, you know, very manipulative. Uh, the, you know w- the way he did with the audio, and also um, what he does with. Uh, wait, I jotted I jotted this down a little bit. Um, Well, there was something else he did, they, the, the, and the way he manipulated statements by saying, "You know, yeah, you, you know, you can be remembered, or you can be forgotten, or you're going to be nothing." Yeah, um, you know what's interesting is that we Lorca's catchphrase is not that good. You know, Picard had engage. Yes, and make it so. Lork, yeah, Picard had make it so in the pilot of tng he had now hear this also picard yes. killed that after the pilot uh lorca has go <laughs> he <laughs> said it twice <laughs> like the first time he said go i'm like is that that's his engage that's his thing is go yeah, it to the but, point uh, it was so unmemorable to the point where i didn't even pick up on it oh his his word is go like that's not that's that's not one for t-shirts no you know? that's not one for uh that's you don't shout that out at a convention when you see uh, when you see this actor. You don't say go. Yeah, there there won't be go the official <laughs> Star Trek podcast anytime in the near future. No, no, there won't. <laughs> so that's one in the. Uh, I you know we've been doing a lot of praising of the writing staff. I think it's officially time to let the throw a disc bomb their way and say, guys, you go. That's their that's <laughs> his phrase. I mean, maybe it's they wanted to make it so gritty and so real. And like, you know, Lorca is a man who doesn't care about catchphrases. You know, he just has, just has his eyes on the mission and he doesn't care. So he, he's just going to say what's natural and that's go. I'm like, eh, I don't know. Everything else about the ship is really cool. You got, for God's sakes, you got guys with with black Delta shields on. That looks awesome. Yes, it You got did. black alerts, for God's sakes. Which I guess we, we know what those are now, which means they're doing a spore jump or a spore test. They're doing a spore jump. Black <laughs> alert. Uh, you know, there was a blue alert on Voyager uh, when they go... They tried to do a, a weird landing. They tried to land on a on I forget when they got the blue alert, but it was something where they try to land on a on on the side of the planet under less than perfect uh, conditions, circumstances, yeah. yeah, conditions. That's another thing. When they finally get to the um, when they finally get to the uh, uh, the planet, the um, colony when they're trying to save it uh the the ship is like just kind of hovering not that far above the colony i think some star trek fans they get a little nuts when ships are in the atmosphere of a planet because i think for many 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 years it was established that they couldn't do that but then the recent movies did it well voyager did it and it caused a blue alert that i just mentioned yeah and then uh, the movies did it, particularly Into Darkness did it, and everybody went bananas about that. And then in the first episode, when they're on that, um, 
that you know the the, the prologue of the oh, first yes, episode and that, where that, the ship that, that desert planet. Yeah, that dumb scene that we should just forget about. That stupid <laughs> scene where they where they where they contact the ship by walking in a, in the shape of a delta signal. It's so ridiculous. Um, that uh, is another example. So I personally, I don't have an I don't have any uh, any uh, any bone to pick with that. Uh, I don't I don't know one way or the other. But I know that some fans get all get all nutty about that. The- I'm more nutty. I'm more nutty about putting nipple clamps on uh, <laughs> on the starter grade to make the ship work. I don't quite understand how that works. Yeah, that was a little strange that they highlighted that. Uh, I, the question I had about the, uh, the the ship floating over the colony, um, they clearly did the second jump. Um, what came after the ship there that ex- that blew up all the, the birds of prey? I was a little confused by that. Oh, I don't think when they mentioned they- it. When they left, they like threw out a bunch of like photon torpedoes or something. Okay, I mean they look. Oh, pretty, they mined the area. Big, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the, all the explosions in 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 the, in the sky. It was um, my interpretation was they he wanted the ships to get real close, and then he would vanish and and like mine the sky, and then they would all. I feel like up. that was a bit of a risky move. It means that they were so close to the colony. Like, what if what if one of those missed and it hit the colony? I mean. Oh, that's a good point. Well, you know, that's why all those guys were busy plugging numbers away. You know, the woman True. with the metal face, that's what she was doing. She was adding up the the telemetry of the uh, blah, 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 to make sure that it would reach a 20-point mark, point six. You know, that's yeah. that's that's how it goes. Um, so, uh, you know, want to start wrapping up here, but um, the other thing we should mention is, uh, I, I dug when Laurel comes back to Vogue. And she's like, I'm going to take you to the matriarchs of Mokai. Yes. I'm like, what? I'm immediately like, what? This is like a coven of like elder Klingon, uh, you know, wise women. And I'm just like, what is this going to look like? This is going to be wild. So I hope that's that's in the next week's episode. Yeah, no, they definitely threw it through a curveball to me with the actions of the Klingons. And I'm definitely interested in it. Um, because uh, I was very confused about how they were gonna. I mean, I believed I believed Laurel turned honestly, and uh, you know they they threw me for a loop at least. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, I was very curious about w- what that that matriarch of Mokai was, and you know the, the fact they said you must sacrifice everything. So, um, I'm curious to see that. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I have written down here another note. Uh, big Saru diss, uh, and he is not wrong. I forgot when, but Saru must have dissed her. Saru's always given her a diss, you know? It's yes. like, uh, he's he's pretty rough, you know? He he says what he means. He did have he's, a pretty uh, funny line, and I, I really can't remember what it was either, but it was something about something to burn him. Well, he said something about, like, when his when his threat ganglia were up, he was like, uh, he said something like, well, I hope uh, they haven't been wrong this thus far, or something like that. Like, I, I always trust him this far. The other funny thing was... Um, Speaking of disc bombs, I love this is like a line I'm going to use a lot when uh, Cole comes back and he's at first you think he's going to kiss Vox ass a little bit. And he's like, please bring me back. You know, I want to I want to make peace with you. He gets down on his knee and then Vox like, please, no Klingon shall kneel before another blah, blah, blah. And he's like. I have hurled disrespect. I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a Klingon hurl disrespect at one another. I just thought yeah, that was really cool. That was a very interesting uh, scene because I, 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 it was completely unexpected that it would happen, and I should have known better that there would be a turnaround later on because uh, right, right. we had heard I, that I, he was a major antagonist. So, Yeah, and not just that. Um, the scene beforehand when, when, he's, when they're in like the map room, 
the astrometrics astrometrics lab or whatever. Yeah. And and Vok is just like and he's got these gross nails and he's like carving light out of this three dimensional map room and just and it's all pink and purple and green and you know just it looked great. I had no idea what the hell was going on. But yeah, neither great, did I. You know? <laughs> and then he's like, I ate Michelle Yo. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> what is happening? Well, you know, Brian, this awesome show that we're talking about, Star Trek Discovery, is available in the United States, you know, in a very new way. It is? Yeah. If you live in Canada, you can watch it on Space Network. If you live elsewhere, you can watch it on the Netflix. But if you live here in the good old U.S. of A, if you live here in the good old USA, you're going to watch it in a new way, in a way that I think is working out pretty well so far. It's called CBS All Access. And if you spend six bucks a month, you can get access to uh, Star Trek Discovery the minute it comes out. By the way, 15 minutes early, two weeks in a row. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I texted you as soon as I started it, and I'm like, wow, this is, this is, is this supposed to be 8 or 8.30? <laughs> right. It's, it usually drops at like 8.18 8, or yeah. so. Uh, 8.17, 8, uh Eastern time, and then 5.30 uh, out on the West Coast. Um, I guess if you live in Hawaii, God knows when it drops. That That is technically that the is USA. Question, yeah. So. Um, but anyhow, um, CBS All Access gets you the new show, gets you every other Star Trek show ever, gets you a lot of legacy CBS programming. You know, you watch, you can watch old episodes of Cheers if you want. They have like a 300, 400, 500, however many episodes of Cheers are existence are in existence are on CBS All Access, plus the new shows like CSI and whatnot. And, uh, the good, uh, there's so many good shows now, the good. What is the Good Wife spinoff called? Um, I don't remember. The Good Fight. You know, there's a show. There's the Good Wife. There's the Good Fight. There's the Good Doctor and the Good. Oh boy, there's another good show. It's ridiculous right now. But the one that's good is the one that's affiliated with the Good Wife, and it's on CBS All Access. Yes, yeah, so like that was one of the discovery. first original shows that launched on the network. I yeah. believe. Yeah, we know it. So we clearly we haven't watched it yet, but it's very good. And you could also watch live CBS if you do, um, if you do, uh, what do you call it? If you're a cord cutter uh, and you want to watch, you know, whatever the football game is or later in the year, if you want to watch the news or (laughs) face the nation on a Sunday morning, you can watch CBS live through your CBS all access. The the bottom line is there's a lot more to do than Discovery, although clearly that's our priority here. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's six bucks a month uh, with the commercials. It's ten bucks a month without the commercials. Uh, Brian and I both do the six month. You know what? I don't mind doing it with the commercials because this is a very interactive show for me and the rest of the Star Trek community. So I fire it up, I hit play, and then when the commercials are on, I go on Twitter and make some, you know, I make some silly comments, <laughs> and then I come back to the show. I don't pay attention to the ads, you know. Yeah, I, I was, awful. I was writing yeah. down notes during the commercial breaks. Yeah, whoever listens to ads are crazy. You should fast forward them, right? No, no, of course not. Well, so can, anyway, that's but... the deal. <laughs> CVS All Access is sponsoring the show, and we love them. And so far, it's great. Four, they're four for four so far. Four for four in Discovery. Eventually, there'll be an episode I hate, and I'll be honest, but it hasn't happened yet. So listen, there's a lot to talk about. That's our first brain dump now. Uh, it's been uh, really just a few minutes. I'm probably going to watch it again um Maybe now, because my wife hasn't seen it yet, and she's been keeping up, and she'll probably notice all these things, and I'll, I wish I could have mentioned them. I love that Stamets did mention the Hawking Radiation Firewall. There's a nice shout-out to Star Trek alumni Stephen Hawking. And there's also that great kind of comedy smash cut, which is like straight out of, you know, straight out of like 
classic sitcoms like you know the the honeymooners or something when uh Lorca says to the admiral yes we'll have this up and running you know in no time cut to Stamets there's no way we can do this in <laughs> you know classic sitcom that, move but it, it worked really that well. admiral looked very familiar to me and I can't pinpoint who it is I'm gonna have to look that up later she was uh you know she seemed stern but fair so that's the deal Brian any last thoughts on episode four uh yes did you see the preview for the next episode no. Oh, yes. There was a preview, uh, you know, right afterwards where we see, uh, we see. Can I say it? Do you have a problem with that? Or no? Tell me. Sure. Rain, we see Rain Wilson. We do see Rain Wilson, and we see Captain Lorca get captured by the Klingons. So, um, when you mentioned that point earlier on about the the seafood uh, comparison, I was thinking like, wow, maybe, maybe there's something to that. Oh yeah, no, I didn't watch it. Oh yeah, so Lorca we see we see the Lorca go to a ship on his own, and he gets captured by the Klingons, and he gets experimented on, and he gets thrown in a cell with Harry Mud. Whoa! So I had heard that I would heard that um, Harry Mud is discovered in prison. Yes, that much I knew, but I did and not know the 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 vibe I got from Harry Mud in the, in the brief seconds of uh, of this preview was that. He's he's not going to be one and done. He's going to be in a number of episodes. I think he may stick around. Awesome, good, good. Because Rain Wilson is great, and um, that's that's really cool. I did know, I did notice uh, this past week. Uh, you know, New York Comic Con where you were at the Discovery had a huge panel, um, which I was not at. Unfortunately, I was and then they also had, They had an event at the Paley Center, which I also wasn't at. But I did um, read some coverage of those two events. Uh, I read a report on uh, StarTrek.com about the Comic-Con panel, which is thorough and has great photographs. You should check out StarTrek.com. And then also one of the Star Trek news sites, which was TrekNews.net. There's a couple of great uh, Star Trek uh, news sites in addition to StarTrek.com. TrekNews.net is great, and TrekCore is the other one. TrekCore is just amazing. TrekCore is really cool. Uh, just the whole legacy of Star Trek and great images, and I've been... Big fans of Trek Core for, for years and years and years. Um, but anyway, uh, I did see that in their recap, they mentioned that one of the producers, I believe it was Gretchen Berg, uh, the, one of the few producers that I haven't personally met, uh, but Gretchen Berg did make a reference to the fact that we are going to see other characters from canon appear on this show Interesting. at some point. It's not just Sarek. It's not just Harry Mudd. At some point, and maybe she's talking season two, I don't know, but anyway, keep your eyes peeled. Or And maybe she just means the Gorn skeleton that's back there. Yes, which is very prominent in uh, one of the shots in the in that, in, right. in Lorca's war room, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah uh, Gorn, the Gorn skeleton and the Cardassian voles and whatnot. Oh, you know, I've never been much of a tech aficionado with uh, the weaponry, but there's that one shot when uh, Burnham goes into uh, that room. You know, Lorca's den of iniquity. And there's a shot of like batleths and all sorts of disruptors and phasers and phase cannons and all kinds of weapons. And I would imagine that uh, people are going to be picking those apart and saying, this is Romulan tech, this is Cardassian tech, blah, blah, blah. To me, I recognize the batleths. Uh, they were the new batleths, but. Uh, I didn't really do it. Uh, I haven't had a chance to like do a freeze frame. Yeah, that's and look definitely at it yet, definitely but, something to freeze frame later on. Yeah, there's there's definitely going to be some cool stuff in that. Well, we'll talk about that next week. So until then, everybody, thanks again for listening. Uh, thanks for watching uh, and exploring Star Trek Discovery with us. Um, just a little sneak peek, since next week is the week that uh, it it appears 
thanks to Brian's uh, eagle eye watching the the uh, preview, if uh, Harry Mudd is in next week's episode, uh, at some point next week we'll run our Rain Wilson interview, which we had in the bank um, under the under the understanding that we wouldn't run it until the episode aired. So uh, some point after next Sunday, maybe next Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll run that episode too. And uh, also I read in the news that we'll be getting an extra episode this year rather than next year. So we'll be getting uh, nine now and six next year. Whoa, whoa, this just in. My mind did a spore drive in my head, man. (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome all right so cool uh so thanks again for listening and uh, if you want to please if you want to discuss this week's go to our wall at facebook.com slash engage the official star trek podcast that's facebook.com slash engage the official star trek podcast or you can hit me up on twitter that's at jay hoffman at jay hoffman j-h-o-f-f-m-a-n brian remains a non-twitter gentleman (laughs) perhaps for the better so if you want any want to get any messages to him you got to go through me but uh Thanks again, and we'll talk to you again next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law